0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today we celebrate the Feast of the Body and Blood of Jesus Christ. Now we used to refer to this weekend as Corpus Christi Sunday. Now the origins of this feast come from an extraordinary event It happened in 1263. There was a priest named Peter of Prague. He was making his way from his home to the city of Rome on pilgrimage. And he stopped in an Italian town, Volsina, to rest, grab a bite to eat, and to celebrate Mass. Now, the problem that Peter had as a priest, he harbored a great doubt about the true presence of Christ in the the Eucharist. Now, it is said that during the Mass, right after the consecration, as Peter held the host in his hand, the host started bleeding and bleeding. It bled, and the blood ran down his hand, down his arm, and began to soak the corporal on the altar. Peter, after seeing this, was so amazed that he finished the Mass and then quickly ran to the town of Orvieto, where the Pope was staying, Pope Urban Fourteenth. Now, Peter knelt before the Pope and told them this extraordinary story about this miracle. Now, the Pope, upon hearing this, sent a delegation of cardinals to investigate this incident and find out if this story was really true. Well, it was. In fact, the cardinals brought back to the Pope the corporal, and it was stained with blood. Now, that same corporal can be found today if you travel to the cathedral of Orvieto in Italy. It's on display in a side chapel. Still there, and it's still stained with the blood. Now, after all this, the Pope decided to establish a feast that would celebrate the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And that's what we celebrate today. Corpus Christi, or the Feast of the Body and Blood of Jesus Christ. And see, from this story is how this celebration or this feast was established. Now, amazing enough, traveling with the Pope was Thomas Aquinas. Now, Thomas Aquinas is the greatest theologian, the greatest mind our church has ever produced. Now, one could say, well, that's very ironic No, it's not. I would argue it's providence. It was meant to be, the way God willed it. All these events, they all fall into place. Now, the Pope asked Thomas Aquinas to compose songs and write prayers specifically for this feast of the body and blood of Christ. And if you read these prayers and listen to the songs, they're beautiful. In fact, they're used by our church even up to this day. Now, we can learn a lot about this feast by simply studying the songs that Aquinas produced or composed. I think the best and the most well-known song that Thomas Aquinas composed is the Pange Lingua. Now, what I want to do is for the remainder of this homily to comment on the Pange Lingua. In fact, we sing it often throughout the liturgical year. In fact, it's part of the rite on Holy Thursday, when after communing, we establish the Eucharistic procession in which we remove the Blessed Sacrament from the altar and reposition it in a gathering space for prayer. And in this procession, we sing the Pange Lingua. And so, In this song, the Pange Lingua, it includes some of the most striking passages about our Eucharist and the true presence of Christ in it. With that in mind, turn to the third verse of the Pange Lingua. It says, he, being Jesus, gives himself as food with his own hands. Well, that is so accurate. Jesus, at the time of the Last Supper, he feeds his apostles by his own hands, with his own flesh. And he continues to do so every time we gather for Mass. I think a good analogy to help us really fathom this, think of how moved you would be if, for, for example, you go out tonight to a restaurant. Now, normally you expect to be served by a waitress or a waiter. But instead, the chef himself, he comes from out of the kitchen And he serves you. The entire meal that he created by his own hands, he now serves to you. Well, you would be amazed and completely shocked and taken back. Well, Jesus does just that every time we come to Mass. But much more, because the food served to us is Jesus himself, his very body and blood. Now, go back to what Aquinas says in that third verse. He gives himself by his own hands. Now, how does he manage to give such a gift? Aquinas continues. He says, The word made flesh. By Jesus' own words, by what he says, makes true bread into his flesh, true wine into his blood. Here is the clearest statement that our church has on the belief in the true presence in the Eucharist. The words of Jesus Christ have the power to change and consecrate. So then it begs the question, who really is Jesus? Well, he's not a prophet amongst many, and he's not a great biblical figure amongst many. Jesus is God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Jesus has the power and created this entire universe that we know today. The divine word of Jesus is God's very word, and that word has a creative power associated with it. This is why Jesus can bring about a change at the most fundamental level, taking what is true bread and turning it into his very flesh, taking what is true wine and turning it into his very blood. Just as God, his words create this entire universe, Go back to the story of creation in Genesis. How does God create this entire universe? By his very word. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness, and humanity came to life. Therefore, Jesus' words at the time of the Last Supper and his words spoken by a priest in Persona Christi at the time of the consecration at Mass cause the bread and the wine to be consecrated into his body and blood. See, that's why our Catholic tradition has constantly maintained that speaking about the Eucharist in symbolic languages would not suffice because it doesn't describe the reality of the consecration. Jesus said himself in John 6, My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Now, Thomas Aquinas sums that up, that entire tradition, when he says, by his divine word makes the bread his flesh. And yet, all the appearances still look and taste the same. After the consecration, we gaze upon the altar and we say, you know, it still looks like wine and it still looks like bread. So, the appearance doesn't change. So, how does Aquinas resolve this? In verse 4 of the *Pange Lingua, he says, Faith alone may safely guide us where the senses cannot lead. Now, mind you, our senses are not deceiving us. They're not lying to us, for they are simply taking in what is there to take in. And so, yes, the appearance doesn't change. It remains. However, our senses don't lead us to the reality of believing in the body and blood of Christ. What does lead us there? Our faith. Only our faith can lead us to the deepest reality of knowing and believing that that is the body and blood of Christ on the altar after the consecration. As Quinas says, faith alone safely guides us to believe in the true presence. Now, when you stop and think, There are a lot of times when our senses tell us one thing, but instead the reality of it all is together different. Give you a good example. You meet a person for the first time. You say to yourself, well, that guy is arrogant and condescending. I don't want nothing to do with him. But you have a trusted friend who comes to you and tells you, oh, no, you're, you're all wrong. He just made a bad first impression. Get to know him and you'll find out he's a very kind and generous person. Well, our senses are taking in one thing, but the advice of a trusted authority tells us something altogether different in reality. Well, so the words of Jesus Christ tell us in reality that it is his true body and blood. Now, it begs a very serious question that we need to ask. What's the effects of receiving such a great gift of the Eucharist? Well, Thomas Aquinas tells us, He says the bread of the angels becomes the bread of men. The Eucharist helps us to now participate in the life of heaven. The Eucharist is the manna that comes from heaven, where God is always being honored and worshipped. Well, from the Eucharist and its reception of it by us, we now receive strength in our faith journey in life. Our final destination, heaven. See, that's why Aquinas refers to the Eucharist as the viaticum, the food for the journey. In a prayer that Thomas wrote for this special feast, he said, Behold, the bread of the angels has become the bread of the wayfarers. So who are these wayfarers? That's us, all of us, making our faith journey throughout life towards the end of our destination, heaven. Heaven. What sustains us in this journey? The Panis Angelicus, the bread of the angels. The bread of the angels, which now brings us in participation in the life of heaven. Friends, on this Feast of the Body and Blood of Jesus Christ, we recognize we have a great privilege in eating the Panis Angelicus, served to us by Jesus Christ, by his own hands, so that what? we can share now in Jesus' life, now and forever. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.